And now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith. This week, Ray sits down with Mark Robison, Chairman and President of Brotherhood Mutual Insurance. If I know this is what God wants me to do, I know God will give me the skill sets, the tool belts, everything I need to make sure I accomplish that. However, that doesn't mean that I sit on my laurels and let the Lord do it. I have to be a good steward of the giftings and the callings and the knowledge base that I need to have. But I don't have fear. I can pray, I can seek, I can have a team around me, I can do those things, and I can walk boldly because God called me. Hello, everyone. This is Ray Hilbert, your host here at Bottom Line Faith, and we are so glad you've chosen to join us again this week. And uh, if this is your first time checking out the program, welcome aboard. And if you're a longtime listener, hopefully you know what to expect here. And uh, we're going to have a great conversation today with a longtime friend and really a faith leader in the marketplace. I am in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I'm in the headquarters at Brotherhood Mutual Insurance. And we are speaking with uh, Mark Robison, the chairman and president here at Brotherhood Mutual. Mark, welcome to Bottom Line Faith. Thank you, Ray. It's really good to be with you. It feels to me in many ways like this is a long time coming. We've known each other a long time. A long time. I probably was a little taller and had a little more hair (laughs) when we first met. But why don't you uh, take a couple of moments, uh, share a little bit about um, Brotherhood Mutual, and then a little bit of your journey, your role here, and and, kind of what folks can expect if they learn about Brotherhood Mutual. Yeah, Brotherhood Mutual is celebrating their 100th birthday this year, so we're really excited about that. About 100 years ago, or exactly 100 years ago, we had uh, four or five pastors that came together and really felt like it was time to stop the, the process of a fire shutting down a ministry. And so they came together and had to convince the denomination they were part of that insurance wasn't gambling, but it was also putting their hands in the faith of God and allowing them to work together as good stewards to make sure that the church ministry would go on. Because if a fire would come, the building would be gone, people would scatter, and they wouldn't be able to have church anymore. So a hundred years ago, they got together to do that. And today, a hundred years later, we're still doing that. We're now doing it in 46 states, opening our 47th here at the end of this year and uh, serving over 55,000 ministries across the country. So it's been, a, it's been an incredible history for this organization. So, um, and I don't want to uh, over-limit uh, my, my sco- the scope here, but property and casualty insurance for churches, nonprofits, uh, are there other activities of the company and organization that, you, that we should know about? Yeah, we actually, like you said, the property casualty. So we really do everything for that church or for that ministry. So if the ministry is is tied to the faith-based entity, then we can we can work with them. So that's colleges, that's K through 12 schools, denominational offices, camps, all of those areas fit within our niche. Uh, we then do everything about it. So we do their auto, their work comp, the the property casualty umbrella. But we also do any short-term mission work. So if they have uh, a lot of ministries and a lot of schools and kids and, and missions overseas, to Haiti, to, to Africa, we cover that, that coverage. So a lot of times your health insurance stops at the border. We pick that up so we can take care of you while you go over there. But we also expand that so it takes care of the church assets. So a lot of times worship teams go or, or kids go with their, their guitars. And again, that, that insurance stops at the border. We pick all that up for them. So uh, we do that through Faith Ventures. So it's a partnership that we have been doing that uh, since 1999. So been doing that quite a while as well. 
That, that's good. I, I'm learning some new things here too, and so um, I, I've known about the PNC side of things, but that that's that's good to learn. So, help us understand your journey. Uh, uh, now, chairman and president. Uh, when did that take effect? How did that all come about? Just help us understand your pathway here. Yeah, I came to Brotherhood in 1994. I was uh, CPA. I am a CPA, so started with Ernst and Winnie back then. Now it's Ernst and Young, uh, out of the Fort Wayne office, and in. In my second day or my second week, I guess it was, I, I got involved in insurance. Mm-hmm. Hated it. <laughs> Simply hated it. It was life and health. And, and, and part of it was just the style that we had to do back then and how you had to do audits and work with it. And, and Lincoln National, an incredible company, but as a first-year staff, all you do is you know the grunt stuff. And it's, I spent literally six weeks looking at bank reconciliations. They had hundreds of bank accounts, and that was my job. And I thought, this is crazy. I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> and I remember after a year and a half being involved with Lincoln, I went to our managing partner, and I said, look, either flip me to another industry or I'm leaving because this is just terrible. Insurance is terrible. And he looked at me, and he said, give me one year from today. One year from today. Give me a commitment. I'll prove to you. There is no better industry than the insurance industry. And I thought, well, how can you mess with that? That's so pretty I bold. took him up on yeah. that. Yeah, took him up on that. He introduced me to all sorts of other audit clients with inside the insurance industry, got me involved with the firm on a national basis. I tell you, I fell in love with it and realized you never stop learning in insurance. And then when you can tie insurance to serving the kingdom, there, to me, there's just nothing better than that. I, I get to work with churches and pastors and ministry leaders every day. And I travel all over the country, visiting with them, spending time talking with them, what they're doing, hearing the Holy Ghost stories that they tell, as well as recognizing the struggles that they're facing. And so all of those things together just makes it an incredible opportunity. So I came in 1994, really as a fulfillment of a promise to my wife that I had come home from work at ENY and told her, I I just feel like I'm done. I feel like the Lord's released me. And she looked at me and goes, really, I had a dream that you were released last night. (laughs) <laughs> and so we committed to pray and see what happens. One week later, Brotherhood Mutual was was an opportunity for me. And so there's a story of getting there, but it was just really that commitment of yeah. of us looking at each other. I loved my job in, in public accounting, but uh, the Lord had another plan. And did, did that full year go by? They did, yes. That was Actually, that was my third year, so I spent four more years in insurance at the firm. So that gentleman fulfilled his promise, did absolutely, he not? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I can't thank him enough, to be honest. It's, it's been an incredible career. That is really, really amazing. And so we could guess, but we don't need to guess because we're talking with you. What does day-to-day life look like for you as president and uh, chairman of, of such an amazing company doing such sizable things. You know, a lot of a lot of leadership books tell you you've got to come up with this concept of of a purpose for people for your employee base. We don't have to do that here. We all have a purpose. We recognize back in I think it was 2008, 2009 in that fr- time frame, we changed our mission statement to reset purpose. And our mission statement simply is advancing the kingdom by serving the church. You know, move into a mission statement that we understand that we can recognize and and everybody in this building knows. It's not a mission statement that you you have to quiz people and say, do you know the mission statement? Do I have to teach you? They all know it. Mm. And so because of that, it really makes it easy to come in here. And so for me, every day is is living the mission statement. So I'm talking with pastors. I'm talking with employees uh, and talking with, with business partners. I had an email today, which I thought was amazing, from a friend of mine who I knew has a, has a bit of faith. But he sent me a devotional they received today and said, hey, I was thinking about, as I read this, this is Brotherhood Mutual, and I just want you to know I'm taking this serious. And it was wow. just about recognizing that everybody is about serving the kingdom. 
is about advancing the kingdom, is about making sure that the kingdom of God is advancing. And, and here he had this devotional on the Lord's Prayer, and it just sparked him to send me this email. He's a chairman of, a, of an organization. Yeah. I had no idea if his faith was, was solid enough to, to be doing that, but here he is doing that. And, and that's just, that's what we get to live every day. It's really exciting, and I love what I get to do in this role hosting the program because I get to talk to just amazingly diverse people, different fields, different industries. The, the common thread is their faith in Christ. And so, you know, we didn't rehearse this conversation and such. Um, but one of the things that, that uh, I think the, that we're reading in articles and the media and so forth is uh, kind of the condition of, quote-unquote, the church in America today. Uh, perhaps with millennials, a, a decline in participation in formal church attendance and those sorts of things. But you have a very unique perspective in what you're doing every day, talking with pastors, church leaders. Would you just comment what you're seeing happen in the church? Let's start with America. Uh, what are you seeing happen just in the in the church? Yeah, I think you're right on. I think for the church as a whole, it's struggling to figure out how to engage this next generation. My generation, we went because it was the, it was the Lord's house, and so yeah. we needed to be there every Sunday. And I even remember the debates with my peers, do we wear a suit or can we go in, in dress pants and without a jacket, right? I mean, I can remember that the argument about wearing a tie to church or not wearing a tie to church, that, all that stuff's gone, yeah. and now we have to reset. And I think there, there's a, a process the church is going through. They're starting to recognize that our generation spent a lot of time saying what the church was about, but also what it was against. And the younger generation really doesn't want to hear that. They really want to know, why Why do I want to be engaged in this? And, and I think there's a lot of learning and a lot of figuring that out. I, I'm impressed when I travel around. It, it's not, it's something, you know, a lot of people think, well, the church doesn't get it. The church understands it. They're just trying to figure out how do they engage differently. Mm -hmm. It's not like there's not a lot of effort and, and energy put into trying to figure out how to be what the, the millennials need. I think they're going to get there. I think it's it's making really good progress. And I also think we're giving the millennials a, a bit of a unfair view. I think when I was a college kid, I, I did enjoy church, but it wasn't my favorite thing either. You know, and, yeah, and yeah. it really wasn't until I had a child that that drew me back into the, the church in a full force method. I remember talking to Taylor University and asking them because we support them. And I said, you know, before we give you money, what's, what are you seeing with young people today? Because you talk about giving them a faith education. Is it working? And they said, well, of course it is. And I said, well, how do you know? <laughs> because when you look five years out, they're back in church. And I think you've got to give the millennials a chance to get five years out. A lot of things, five years is a little longer today yeah. than what it was in my time. So maybe it's eight years. But I think you've got to give them time to to figure out who they are and, and figure out their own faith and begin their own families and recognize they still need God and then move back in. And I think the church is getting that. I think it's slow with some yeah. and, and faster with others, but but I just I believe they're they're truly engaged with this conversation, this this need to transition. And it really is uh, a lot more than a cool website and a cool worship band, right? And, Absolutely. And skinny jeans and all those things that the stereotypical things we would talk about. It's engaging in authenticity. It's engaging, of course, in technology and so forth. How do you see those aspects impacting church leadership today? Yeah, in fact, I think it's not only that. I think the engagement of the community is really what's going to pull them back in, and that's what you're starting to see. And I think uh, part of the church is going to struggle with that because it takes resources to do that. So mm -hmm. when you've got mega churches, you've got Saddleback, you've got Shepherd's Church out in California, you've got Water of Life out in California, they have an incredible uh, food pantry ministry 
And, and that's something that takes resources and money. Well, they're large enough. They can put that money in there. And because they can put the money in there, the resources come by with people. Labor yeah. comes in. The volunteers come in to be there because they're doing something. And, and they can see a difference in their community. So I think that there's going to be this continual challenge. Uh, what you're seeing a lot of churches today are, are not closing doors, but taking away the teaching ministry and becoming a part of another one, like a Hillsong. Mm-hmm. They're becoming a Hillsong Newport, a Hillsong Phoenix, and they're allowing the message to be broadcast in, but then they have a family and a community that's now resourced by the main church, which a lot more funds, and then they can engage the community. And I think that's a transition we're really starting to see, which adds exposure to us, because now all of a sudden the church is out there doing ministry, right? Yeah. So they've got a mobile dental clinic. Well, what happens if they do something wrong? <laughs> well, it's, it's yeah. part of the, the problem is they're dealing with a socioeconomic group that is is willing to sue because they might might hit the lottery. So it adds exposure to us, but I just think it's the right thing. You've got to engage the community. We've got to put the love of God. I mean, it says, right, the the scripture says, let's make sure we're fruitful with fruit that lasts. Well, what is fruit that lasts? It's the good works that we were created in advance to do. So we've got to be about doing the good works. And I think that as we see more and more of that, those millennials are going to be all over that. Doing the good works, that's what they want to be doing anyway. Yeah, yeah. Let's re-engage our time and focus and make sure that that's what we're doing as we disciple people up. I love it. You bring an incredibly unique perspective to, to, to the things we're talking about. Folks, we are uh, here at Bottom Line Faith today. I'm speaking with Mark Robinson, the chairman and president at Brotherhood Mutual Insurance uh, here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about uh, Brotherhood Mutual, of course, just go to brotherhoodmutual.com. That's brotherhoodmutual.com. And then there was another website we talked about called faithventures.com. Take Take just a few seconds. You mentioned it earlier, but just give us a little bit more on Faith Ventures. Yes, yeah, so Faith Ventures is our is our foreign missions product. So it allows a, an individual, and, and it can be as a group or it can be individual, so you can really choose. If you're going on a short-term mission trip, it's really the place to go. You can go in there, you can pick up coverage, and it's you can pick it up for that single trip, or you can also buy an annual pass. And then if you do mission trips from multiple organizations, you don't have to buy insurance twice. It's good every time you go with a faith-based. So that's that's a product. But it also has some other cool things. It's got uh, – you can actually go and buy your airline ticket there. And what most people don't know is that every U.S. carrier, airline carrier, is required to carry humanitarian seats so that people can travel overseas to do good works. Mm. And so they have to discount them and they carry them. Now, what happens is that you only have so many agencies that can access those seats. So we're partnered with an agency through Faith Ventures that can access those seats. And what's really nice is that the price is really, really discounted, but it's even more discounted the closer you get to a trip. Okay. So what happens okay. is if you've got a team going to Haiti, you can reserve these spots and yet you don't have to book all your tickets yet because you may have three or four people that aren't sure if they're going well, then they decide to go. You can add those seats. And the, what happens with a humanitarian fair is it's the same six months out as it is the day oh before. Oh, my. Wow. And so that discount gets even better. So it gives you a lot more flexibility in booking that trip, which makes you good stewards with those funds for the ministry that's that's going over. I love that. I'm, I'm really glad I asked that question now, um, uh, Mark, because uh, a lot of our listeners are business owners, um, CEOs, presidents, just like yourself. They take their employees. Yep. They go do missions trips. They do it as team building, uh, not only for King building, but also team building, uh, would this apply to them as well? Or would they need to go through their church to do that? How would they take advantage of this? Yeah, for Faith Ventures, they have to come in through a 501c3. All right. However, our partner that we partnered with, 
they're, they're, it's called Fly for Good. Okay. They also have the program for non-501c3s because for the business side. So you can go through Faith Ventures through that website and you can get connected with the folks and actually book the same thing. And, and it's the same structure. If you're going over for missions work, whatever that may be, or good works, I would say, then then you get that same process and, and deal. But there's another website too I forgot okay. to mention too, okay. and that's Ministry Works. Okay. So ministryworks.com is our payroll service. So about uh, five years ago, I'm a CPA, remember? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, what I got sick and tired of was the church thinking that because they are a grace-filled entity that they can be graceful with rules and regulations. Sloppy agape. Exactly. And, <laughs> and, I, and I just hated the fact that in today's world, if a church messes up something, the media paints all of us that. So your church in Indianapolis... Your reputation affects my church in Fort Wayne, yeah. and it checks those in Texas and those in Connecticut. And, and so to me, we have to do a better job with that. And, and one of the, the number one areas where I believe there's exposure coming, and that's in the payroll. I mean, if you look at it, most churches have options, right? They, they can outsource it to a ADP, Paychecks, Paycom, these firms. Most of those firms charge a penalty if you don't have 15 employees or more. So mm-hmm. the average church in America is, is six employees or less. So they're all paying it. They're paying this penalty. So they look at it and say, well, what? I, I can't afford that. So they bring in Aunt Martha yep. as a volunteer to do it. Aunt Martha's not staying up with all the tax codes. So you know they're not. she's not following all the rules and, and not staying current. In fact, I was uh, sharing with a pastor, and he was saying, Mark, what, what do I need your payroll from? And I was sharing this with him. He goes, wow, you're right. And I said, wait, you just switched. What happened? He goes, my mom. <laughs> Is the church treasure for the church down the street? She doesn't go to my church. She goes down the one down the street. My mom's 87 has Alzheimer's. And I said, and she's doing payroll for him? Yeah, she does payroll for them. I said, and you're letting her? I mean, my goodness, yeah, what are yeah. you doing? He goes, yeah, there's, she's not alone, is she? There's a lot of people like that. I said, there is. So we actually went in, insur- in Indiana. It's illegal for insurance companies to do payroll for their customers. So I went down to the commissioner. And I had a team, we went down and visited with them and said, look, this is our issue. You know the church is messing this up. They're, they're, it's sloppy agape. And mm-hmm. he goes, man, we just got to clean this up. And, and so we came up to an agreement, and there's certain rules, mm-hmm. you know, so I can't pay my agents a commission, which my agents are saying, you know what, it's big enough exposure, we'll help you anyway. That's yeah. all right. And I can't charge differently whether they're a brotherhood customer or a non-brotherhood customer. So this year, almost 50% of our new customers in payroll are non-brotherhood mutual insurance customers. So we don't charge different right. rates. And the third one was, he said, you have to charge a reasonable rate of return. And I said, in, in the state of Indiana, that, that's defined as 8% for insurance. He goes, yep. I said, no, you're not letting me pay my agents. I can't get paid either. So we're going to do it at cost. And he's like, no, you're not going to do it at cost. But we had this argument. We agreed to a 2% margin. So I, I have a church that sent me a note the other day. They were paying $1,000 a month to one of the big payroll firms. And now they're paying us just over $100 a month. Wow. So that's freeing up resources for kingdom work. Now, and that's what they said. Now they can buy Sunday school material that they weren't able to get before. That's amazing. I mean, you just look at this stuff. And so that's ministryworks.com. You don't have to be a Brotherhood Mutual customer. We're in all 50 states. We do every jurisdiction. And in five years, we're now the largest faith-based ministry-focused payroll firm in the country. Wow. And our guys are experts in housing allowance. So if pastoral allowance, that's all taken care of. Folks, I got to tell you, I'd like to think I stay on top of things here at at Bottom Line Faith, but I am learning a bunch. So, Mark, thank. I'm glad we just kind of had that conversation because that's very valuable. That was my advertisement. So I'll I'll get back to reality. No, that's kingdom work right there because, you know, some of our listeners, they're they're sitting on boards, they're, they're elders, they're deacons in their churches, they're leaders in their communities, and they like 
to talk about stewardship. They want to do things with excellence and effectiveness, and that's because it's good stewardship. So I'm really glad we um, we had that conversation. So well, you know, you mentioned that as a lot of the listeners are sitting on the boards of their churches. That's the thing about payroll is it's a personal liability. Yeah, the corporate protection isn't there for the church. So if and the IRS recognizes they can sue anybody individually for the entire amount of what the church owes. And they can pick and choose who it is so it's not shared. And if you're the chairman or the treasurer of the church, they can charge you double. Wow. And they do. Now, fortunately, most of the time the IRS has some grace, but I don't think the IRS is getting kinder and gentler <laughs> as we go forward. So I, I think we've got to be really careful with that exposure. So anyway. Uh, great, great information. Uh, and, and so, Mark, if, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk a little bit about leadership. I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the lessons learned, some of the things you've learned along the way. Uh, and so forth. And so maybe a, a pretty direct question, as you look back over the course of your career, you've been here a really long time, and God's really blessed this. And, you know, oh, from the outside, oh, they're a Christ-centered company. You talked about everybody waking up every day with a clear mission, but it's not perfect here, right? It's not perfect in any organization. And so could you speak to maybe one of the biggest lessons you've learned along the way, or maybe one of the mistakes you made and what God taught you through that? Just reveal a little bit for our audience something you've learned in your leadership journey. Yeah, you know, that's a—I'll give you an answer. I'm not sure everybody's going to like it. But uh, for me, this was an answer that—this this what really changed the way I lead as a president. So my brother, who's uh, one of my good friends and, and really one of my executive coaches, um, was a turnaround specialist for a long time. And I would watch him go into organizations and fire 150 people. Mm -hmm. And I just looked at him and I said, how can you call yourself a believer when you're throwing people out? And he really reminded me the fact that God calls us to steward our business and that God is responsible to steward the people in it. Not that we ignore the fact that at Brotherhood we have 450 people that rely on this organization. So we are feeding families. But my role is to steward the organization. And so I, I can re he, he got on my case because I had an individual that was not performing. Yeah. And we really, I mean, the individual needed to be let go, needed to be terminated. But I was a guy of grace, right? Mm -hmm. And so my pastor would call it unsanctified mercy. I would let him be working here, and everybody's covering for him, and he's not helping the organization. And when I, when my brother reminded me that I'm called to steward the organization, the, the scripture that came to me was Jonah. So you have the captain of this boat that's running this boat across the waters, and Jonah's on that boat, and he could steward the passengers and end up losing the ship, or he could steward the ship and throw Jonah overboard. And I don't mean that we need to throw people overboard, but we do need to recognize we're called to be captaining our ships. And by doing that, it allows me to be a lot clearer in decisions that we make. We're looking at Brotherhood Mutual, always recognizing that our decisions affect people. But we can't step into God's role in those people yeah, because we can, we can cause them to be dependent upon us. We can, cause all, we can enable them things. And, that, and that's not helping them to become more Christ-like. So, and we don't know what God's working on in their life at that moment anyway. We may be counteracting it by trying to be kind. We have got to walk the path that if this is the path that God's called us to walk with this organization, we need to walk this path with the organization. Be as kind and grace-filled as we can, but this is my calling. And if it's my calling, it's what God's going to pay for and, and thrive and, and cause to excel, 
not the other. And so we have to keep our minds really clear in, in what our role and, and responsibility is. I think that's fantastic advice. And, and I, th- I see this over and over and over again and in dealing with the business leaders that I talk. It, it's an, it should be a tension, right? We should, it should never be easy to just exactly. let someone go. No. But it's how we go about it. They should never be surprised. Right. And they should see it coming, so to speak. There should have been those conversations and the documentation and those things. But as long as we handle that in a Christ-like, loving way and directness and candor, uh, actually, most of the time, they're pretty miserable anyway, aren't they? Yeah. A lot of times, they'll leave on their own. Yeah. So I I go in the philosophy that I'm walking in, and when we have that conversation, obviously, we've been talking about it. But then we we set a timeline. Yeah, 60 days, or you got 90 days. And this is the point. And now, in that 60, 90 days... There is no more question of, will Mark really go down this road? Yeah, really not? Yeah, yeah. Nope, this is what we're doing. And it's now your call. Here's the decisions you got to make. Here's the actions you got to do. You decide if you want to stay with us or not. But this is what this position requires. And it is hard. But pray a lot. Yeah, yeah. Lay it out in front of them. Be transparent with them. And a lot of times those decisions become easier because they help to make them. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say um, are the one or two top biblical principles that you use in your leadership to guide your decision-making, uh, how you go about your day-to-day leadership? What would be those principles? Yeah, you know, in um, in Matthew, Acts 6, I think it is, where the apostles are together, and they are struggling because some of the widows are not getting the right food, and and so the, the apostles are saying, hey, look, find six men full of Holy Spirit, and let's give them this duty so we can dedicate ourselves. And they do that. And then you read, I think it's verse 7. Then you read verse 7, and it says, And the word of God spread because they delegated. And I think that's a principle that Ernst and Young was really good at teaching, mm-hmm. is that um, we're going to make you so busy, you better learn to delegate or you're going you're gonna to drown. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, that's a principle that I really live with, is that I delegate. And you have to be careful because you can't yeah. just dump. That's right. not what I'm talking about. But delegating is recognizing what skill I'm trying to make sure that I'm mentoring up in them and letting them take it over and letting them have that opportunity and walking with them, but but releasing them to do those things. It's not just empowerment, but it is delegation. It is saying, okay, this is yours now. At that point when they're ready, this is yours now. I'm not coming back to it. So you have to pull me in if you need my attention because this is yours now. I trust you. I've given you this. You've learned it. You've got it. And this is yours. And continuing to push those things out. So I think delegation is a big part for me. The other one for me is calling. And uh, for me, I think it's, it's, it may be different than other people, but mm-hmm. I, know, I know that when I became president that I knew God wanted me to become president. It's not, it wasn't an aspiration of mine. Yeah. I was happy to walk into it only because I really believed this is what God wanted me to do. That takes a ton of fear away. Mm-hmm. If I know this is what God wants me to do, I know God will give me the skill sets, the tool belts, everything I need to make sure I accomplish that. However, that doesn't mean that I sit on my laurels and let the Lord do it. I have to be good stewardship of the the giftings and the callings and the knowledge base that I need to have. But I don't have fear over it. Mm -hmm. I can pray. I can seek. I can have a team around me. I can do those things. And I can walk boldly because God called me to this. And he wants this company to succeed. He wants my life to succeed. He wants my marriage to succeed. All those things. It's a calling. So walk with boldness and go for it because God called you to do it. So go for it. I love it. I love it. So the last two questions I have for you are going to be more around encouragement. Um, One of the things that we define as success here at Bottom Line Faith is we have thousands of folks who listen to the program, but 
success for us, Mark, is if somebody's listening to this conversation right now, maybe they're driving along, listening in their car, they've got their headsets on, they're on their treadmill, whatever the case may be, and they've been discouraged. Maybe they've had a dream, a vision, something God's placed on their heart, a calling like what you were just talking about, and and, and maybe they're just discouraged or maybe they're just hesitant. What word of encouragement would would you have for that one person right now who's listening and needing a word of encouragement and hope? What would you say? You know, I think the reality is that we begin to question whether God's near us, right? So how wide, how deep, how high, how, how broad the love of God is. And the truth is, it's our love. How wide, how deep, how broad is our love for God? In the midst of these circumstances, are we still loving the Lord? Because I think that's where a lot of, for me at least, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, when I'm getting into that frustration and that anxiety and that, that disappointment and that, that, that problem, I've separated myself because I'm saying, well, Lord, you don't love me because I'm in these circumstances. But that's not, the, that's not reality. The reality is I'm in these circumstances, so I don't love the Lord. Hmm. And we have to turn that around. And so for me, it's coming back to that reality of the you know, Lord's prayer. And walk in the Lord's prayer with them and saying, I am your, I, you are my God. I walk this path with you and I seek you for your, for your love and your companionship, but I also need you for your sustenance and all those things. It all plays into that, that same role. And so I would just say, you know, are you loving the Lord rather than questioning if he's loving you? And That's really that good. Love? And also, how big is your God? Oh, my goodness. Right? How big is, is your God? Is he bigger than your circumstances? So good, great word of encouragement. So uh, Mark, um, I know you've listened to some of the previous Bottom Line Faith uh, interviews, so you know this is the one question I ask at the end. Has this been a fast 30 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> it has been for me, oh and I'm goodness. like, I hope you'll let me come back and we'll do part two. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I've got so many more things I'd love to chat with you about. The one question we do ask, we call this our 423. It's based out of Proverbs 423, these words of Solomon who said, Above all else, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. And uh, this is kind of like him saying, look, I've given you all this wisdom, I've given you all these nuggets, all these truths, but more than anything, guard your heart. Keep keep guard over your heart. So, Mark, let's just kind of fast forward and let's uh, pretend you're towards the tail end of your time, uh, this side of eternity, and you have a chance to gather your, your family, your friends, your loved ones, those who are most precious to you, maybe even your key leaders in the company. And you have one piece of advice, you're above all else, that you want to pass on as your legacy, your legacy advice. Fill in the blank for us, above all else. Know the love of your God. I, I, I remember when my oldest son was born, I just had this premonition from the Lord that if he always knew how much I loved him and how much God loved him, he would never fail in life. He may not do well, but he'll never fail because he can always come back to the truth. God loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And so every night we prayed over every one of our children that how much that they would always know how much God loves them and how much we love them. And because of that, I would look at my kids and say, God loves you. If God loves you, which you know he does, walk boldly and go for it. You know, it gets you through everything. It's the love of God that... All, that's all we need is to know that God loves us, and we can accomplish anything. We can get through those problems. We can get through those decisions, knowing that God loves us and then finding out what he wants us to do. Right? Those are the things. Great stuff. 
Folks, we have been speaking with Mark Robinson, Chairman and President at Brotherhood Mutual here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Check out the website, brotherhoodmutual.com. Mark has also shared with us uh, the faithventures.com and the ministryworks.com websites. Those are definitely sites you're going to want to learn more about if you're involved with... uh, uh, missions trips and so forth, and then of course payroll for churches and nonprofits. I, I learned a ton here. Good, Mark. Thanks for being <laughs> on the program today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I love sitting with you, Ray. Always be good to be with you. Can we come back and do part two Absolutely. at some point? Absolutely. <laughs> I know my wife would love it. We're about fifteen <laughs> minutes from my yeah. parents, uh, my my in laws' home. So, so folks, just uh, in, in closing today, we just really pray that you've been encouraged by by Mark's um, words. And uh, folks, I've known Mark for going on two decades now, and and this uh, this is the real guy. That uh, just because we turned on the microphones, nothing changed here. This is who he is. This is his his authenticity and his leadership and his character and his value system, his belief system in the Lord. And uh, we're just so grateful that, that God loves, allows us to interview leaders like Mark here at Bottom Line Faith. Just a couple of uh, things as we close here on the housekeeping side. If you're not a subscriber and somehow you, you you've listened to today's program. Now, this is just a taste. You can go back to our website at bottomlinefaith.org. There are dozens and dozens of previous episodes there, and you can scroll down to the bottom of the page and subscribe and get this on a weekly basis. You can go to Stitcher, uh, iTunes, uh, Google Play. All the traditional uh, podcast platforms are there for you to subscribe to. Also, check out truthatwork.org. We are the host ministry here at Bottom Line Faith, and uh, we love to have the opportunity to serve Christ-following business leaders around the country. Click on that roundtable tab particularly, and learn how you can connect in a community of like-minded Christ followers and business across the country. Well, folks, until next time, this is your host here at Bottom Line Faith, Ray Hilbert, encouraging you to faithfully serve the Lord in the marketplace every day. God bless, and we'll see you next time. Bottom Line Faith is brought to you by Truth at Work. If you'd like to hear about new episodes or listen to past episodes, visit us online at bottomlinefaith.org. You can also subscribe to the show through Google Play and iTunes.